0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed Knight. And I'm Adrian Nicoll. And another on the show, we are once again joined by Linda Forsyth from Venture Property Management. And today we are talking about the Healthy Homes Act. Now, of course, we've talked about the Healthy Homes Act in the past in terms of what it is and what it includes. But what's going to be really interesting today is we're going to talk about, well, how is it actually being implemented? And what are the sort of properties that are being impacted by it and in what way? Because, of course, Linda, you're managing the transition for 600-odd properties at the moment to make sure they're all compliant. Yes, we are. <laughs> so walk us through, Linda, what are some of the properties that are needing some work and what's needing to be done to bring these properties up to speak?
1: Okay, so it's interesting in the fact that if you've got a brand-new property, you assume that these properties are going to meet the healthy home standards. What we're finding is that there's little bits and pieces in every single house pretty much, probably 80% of houses that aren't actually meeting the standards. And that's for varying reasons. One can be insulation. We have had circumstances where the insulation has been signed off and for one reason or another hasn't actually made it into that ceiling cavity. And so we've got all the paperwork saying it's there when the Healthy Home Assess has been through it hasn't actually been there.
2: And actually that's quite common when a market is booming. So for example, I've heard of instances in places like Tauranga where they'll have building companies and the council just hasn't had time to check it off and so they've sent a photo and it's been signed off. And or if builders are wanting to save money, they'll put the insulation, whip it out afterwards after it's been inspected and chuck it in the next house. And so it's a little bit sneaky and of course you wouldn't know unless you had that check later on. But yeah, these are brand new houses that you're Talking about where the insulation is not there.
1: Exactly, and what it's actually doing by having it assessed for the cost, which is actually pretty low $149 plus GST, it's ensuring that that owner's investment is actually what it should be.
2: Absolutely, because the last thing you want as an investor is to sell that uninsulated home and have it come up in a building report in 10 years' time.
0: But you are right as well $149 plus GST to get this inspected. I feel it's incredibly reasonable to make sure you comply and find out the actions you need to undertake in order to be able to bring that up to spec. It is when the fine's significant. Exactly. And similarly, just to go over that again, because I think it's a really important point, the council there had signed off this property and said it had insulation. The developer had said, or the builder of the property had said that there was insulation. There was no insulation.
1: No insulation. And we've signed that tenancy agreement with that tenant saying that the insulation's there as per the information we've been given. And so that opens up again a worms for the owners and the property managers as well.
0: So walk us through, I know there is a big issue around heat pumps as well within healthy homes, and there's some interesting quirks in terms of old versus newer properties and how heat pumps operate. Talk to us about these.
1: So the heat pump area that is being assessed is the living area. And so if the living area is open plan, and if it's got a stairwell, a landing, if it's got a hallway that hasn't got a door, then all of that area is taken into account. And what that is actually doing is making it that that heat pump isn't big enough to heat that area. And so they're actually being declined on the assessment because of that open plan design. If you've got an older property where the lounge is going to be deemed to be the living area, and those doors shut, it's only a three by four or a four by five room, then that heat pump is going to be sufficient. And so the older house generally is passing, whereas newer houses that are open plan are failing.
0: Isn't that an interesting quirk as well? And you were saying before that there is a relatively small property you're managing that requires a very, very large heat pump.
1: Yes, and so there is that discussion going on at the moment about the heating tool being overspiked, and I know that people are talking to the government about it, and there's a company called Tenancy Practice Services that are actually oh. having a chat to the government about it.
2: And that's uh, probably a good idea because I know, from personal experience as well, some of the smaller units, they're saying they need a six kilowatt heat pump, which is massive overkill, and I think you'll have a lot of owners who will have bigger heat pumps in their tenants' properties rather than their own. Exactly.
0: And similarly I've also heard about extractor fans and just before we hit record you're talking to us again about extractor fans that haven't been fit properly and are only being found out now. Yes, and that is the good thing about
1: these healthy home assessments as much as, again, as I said, they're brand new properties. What we are finding is that there have been things that haven't been put in properly. And so really this is making sure that the property that the owner's got is of good quality and things are working as they should be. So we have found that extractor fans, the ducting in the ceiling hasn't actually been attached properly. And so you might be taking all that moisture out of your kitchen and your bathroom, and what it's doing is actually going straight into your ceiling and not going out. And so it's making the ceiling area damp. It's causing mould and mildew. And that's being picked up in houses that are only 18 months old. If you did not pick that up for 10 years, that house would be very badly damaged from that.
0: Yeah. And Andrew, walk us so, because I know that people listening to this show right now are going to be thinking, well, how has this not been picked up earlier? And what's the liability for, if it was, say, a new house, what's the liability for the developer in this instance?
2: So, yeah, we handle, for clients who have purchased through our system, any defects and maintenance that needs to be dealt with. And actually, I can think of one instance, Linda, you know exactly how I'm going to talk about, where a tenant had complained a number of times about moisture in the house. And we, as a company, actually paid to get a builder's report done to check this out. It was a relatively new house, a few years old, and the building report came back fine and then we actually ended up engaging a second building report, which found that the trap, the water trap, so where your shower connects to the wastewater pipe, wasn't connected properly. And so wastewater was, as in from the shower, was just coming out and underneath the house. And over time, that just created a high amount of moisture in the house. And whilst we were running dehumidifiers to kind of deal with this, you were never going to be able to keep up with the leases and litres of water, which was being stored under the house. So in that instance, with a bit of strong arming from me and from Linda's team we managed to get the builder to go and remedy all of that but it was quite a significant cost for that building company. Would that not fall under the 10-year master build guarantee? I don't know if it would or wouldn't we just went back and dealt with it straight away ourselves so we didn't get that far you've got to be careful with those things because I guess maybe there could have been a conversation well how do we know if that had happened due to a tenant maybe stomping on the, the shower and, and they might have argued that kind of thing but it was just you know I guess our relationship and the strength and numbers that we were able to tell that developer that they needed to go and remedy it and begrudgingly they did.
0: And I think there it does show as well the, the risks that sometimes present themselves within property investment and the things that you've got to be aware of depending on the quality of house you're purchasing. I mean, we're talking about newer properties here, but if it was an existing home that's been built for the last 30, 40 years, some of these things can occur. And as the owner of the property, you're liable for any damage that, that's caused if the previous owner didn't, didn't know anything about it. And actually,
2: from an insurance standpoint, often a policy won't cover you for gradual damage. So if you've got something where maybe a washing machine hasn't been connected properly and there was water dripping onto the floor and then it eventually causes the floorboards to rot and it costs quite a lot to remove it. That's usually on you, so you can have a separate landlord's policy to make sure that that is covered. But just as a side note...
0: Yes, that's called hidden gradual damage, I believe. I think Tower, in the episode we did, probably about 100 episodes or so ago, my memory, I think, it was uh, Tower does have hidden gradual damage within that policy as well. Linda... It is really interesting the Southy Homes Act. What else are you seeing that's needing to be brought up to speak for properties?
1: Generally, it's very small issues around possibly that the spouting might be blocked with leaves, especially in existing houses, that they've got a lot of foliage and over time that drops into the spouting and it gets stuck and, and obviously that thing can cause two things really. It's the fact that that drainage has to be working properly as part of the healthy home standards, but it's also it can cause leaks into the house so that yes. can become a maintenance issue as well. So that is where this healthy home standards is also beneficial because it's making sure that those things are kept up to standard, which is going to make sure your house is actually well maintained.
0: And I imagine as well, this isn't just a one-off check at the start. This is ongoing, right? You've got to make sure your house uh, or your your investment property complies over the long term. So how are we making sure, or what do landlords need to do in order to make sure that their properties are compliant, not just today or when the legislation actually comes into effect but for the long term?
1: So it's going to be part of the three monthly checks that we do. We're going to have to be checking to make sure that those ventilation fans aren't blocked, that those spoutings are cleared, that these things are all in place. They are saying that we will need to get the installation checked on a regular basis. We haven't actually been told how often that needs to be done, but it could be every three, every five years. But basically what we can do as property managers to look after that property is to make sure that we are checking those things. And if those things are blocked or they have got issues, then we're actually getting it rectified.
0: And I remember back in about episode 59, we had Celia Burberry, from Auckland Property Management on the show and she was talking to us about how the workload for property managers continues to increase but the fees charged by most property management companies aren't increasing. That's great. And I think that landlords probably need to respect the fact that the service they're getting for their money is increasing, whereas the payments that they're making for that isn't necessarily increasing, and it is falling back on property managers to, to pick up that slack.
1: Absolutely. The property managers need to be more and more vigilant, and, and we are, and we're all very pleased to be doing our jobs, but yes, it is definitely becoming more of a job.
2: And this is why, I mean, for that, again, we, I said in a previous episode, $35 a week to have someone else worry about this stuff, that's money well spent in my
1: And I personally have somebody doing it for me, my own investment property. I don't look after mine. I have somebody else making sure that they tick all those boxes for me because I would be exactly the same with my own property. I would probably think I'll get around to doing it because I'm too busy doing everything else Um, and so I have my own property under management.
0: Is that based in the same city that you live in? Yes it is. That's amazing. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people and hey if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I why not come along to our free in-person Property Academy podcast live events. These are happening in Christchurch, they're happening in Wellington and they're happening in Auckland mid-October. That is the 20th 21st and 22nd now come on guys register for your tickets they are completely free I'm going to drop a link into the show notes or just go to operspartners.co.nz slash pod event Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast I'm your host Ed McKnight and I'm Andrew and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand Property Market. Until next
1: time.